This is the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. I just took this blue pill, oh, this uh, little uh, blue I'm, pill. I'm sorry, what's that now? Yeah, I just took this blue pill, and I want to see how long it takes for it to kick in because I felt like I really needed it today. I'm gonna, what? I'm going to ask this question with fear. Why? Yeah, because I feel like I'm, <laughs> I, I might be clogged up, so this mucinex got to kick in at some point. Oh, okay, because we were we didn't know what blue pill you were oh, talking about. Oh, no, I wasn't talking about the blue demon. No, not <laughs> we, the blue demon. We, we, we need a clarification. I'm not 75 yet, Freddie. <laughs> I don't need the blue demon. No, not the Blue Demon. And welcome to the best radio show slash Blue Pill Demon on your radio. You know better is Freddie and Harry. He's Harry Douglas. I'm going to hell on scholarship. I'm Freddie Coleman. We're presented by Progressive Insurance on the ESPN app. Series XM Channel 80. And don't forget to tell that smart speaker of yours to play ESPN radio. Enter the chat anytime you want. Join us in a Dr. Pepper call online at 888-ESPN-888-729-3776. What do you think the punishment for Michigan football should be if these allegations about sign stealing prove to be correct? Let us know at 888-729-3776. We'll take a chance to listen to what you have to say throughout the next half an hour here on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Jerry Jones, uh, Dallas Cowboys owner on his uh, radio show, 105.3 The Fan, basically said that they like where they are after losing that game, Harry Douglas to the Philadelphia Eagles and I'm going to paraphrase, but he said, you know, Dak played extraordinarily, extraordinarily well. The defense was really picked up things in uh, the second half. And we know the Philadelphia Eagles are a good football team, and they deserve to be in first place in the NFC East. But even though right now we're 5-3, and three, we like where we are, and I'll take where we are right now, even though we did not win that game against the Philadelphia Eagles in uh, Philadelphia on Sunday. I'll take where we are right now. Here we go again. <laughs> Same old, just a different day. Here we go again. I know. I By know. now, we could predict what Jerry Jones will say. Mm. Here we go again. <laughs> now, see, Jerry, we understand that you feel like you're in a good spot with where your team is at because you didn't even try to make any trades at the trade deadline. Uh-huh. So, obviously, we know that you feel good about where your team is at. The question is, is your team going to be able to come up in the big moments uh, come up big in the big moments when they need to. Now, let me talk about some big moments that per se happened right. in the Philadelphia Eagle game. Well, you need a two-point conversion. Dak steps out of bounds. You have a fourth and goal. Dak decides that he wants to go to the left side of the football field. You have a first-year tight end, second-year tight end. The second-year tight end decides that he doesn't want to do his job all the way and make the defender go over the top so the other tight end can come wide open right. and not have the defender close to him, and uh-huh. they get stopped on fourth down. Mm-hmm. Or or <laughs> you can go to the right side of the football field where you have a veteran wide receiver in Brandon Cooks and also a veteran wide receiver in C.D. Lamb yep. and trust that they're going to do the pick play the best of their capabilities, the best of their abilities, and, and, and throw a touchdown because Brandon Cooks was wide open. Or Or – or your team cannot have first and goal at the six or seven yard line, and then next thing you know, you're trying to complete passes from the twenty something yard line because mm-hmm. of penalties. The sacks taking steel. Boy, I can't get off steel. They wore his ass out. Steel he couldn't block a coal if he if, if his life was dependent on against the Eagles. Or if he had Mucinex. Oh my goodness. He need, he needed that blue demon. Oh, no, no, not the blue demon. He no, need the blue no, pill. How about to say no? <laughs> he did not need the blue demon at all. He, he need the, he he was, need the mucinex. Yeah, he he was already enough without the blue demon. <laughs> Let's put it that way. All the things you just mentioned, all those ors, is another reason as a Cowboys fan, I know this is a good football team. 
Not new news here. That's why I don't trust him getting to the Super Bowl. Because you should not take losing as a springboard if you're Micah Parsons on the Edge podcast yesterday, the outstanding pass rusher saying that, hey, we've learned our lesson. We're going to learn our lessons. Or having even your owner talking about that, uh, we'll, we'll take where we are right now. As I look at it yesterday and today, I'll take, I don't like it, but I'll take where we are right now as a chance to get where we want to go this year. And that would be to the top game. We should be able to get there if Dak will play games like that. Now, I know that's an, maybe a little uh, different thing to hear from me. But if Dak can have those kinds of games, we can, I think, get where we want to be this year. Even he still has no confidence in Dak Prescott. Why are you using the word if didn't with he, Dak did, Prescott? Didn't he also say, I don't like it, but then he does. <laughs> Thank you. Even he doesn't believe. He's ho- Every night when Jerry Gills goes to bed, oh, dear Lord. I bow down my head and I hope that these ifs will turn into wills and coulds regarding our team. God bless the Cowboys, America's team. Amen. Even he doesn't believe in his team. You're using a loss as a springboard. You know who does that? Teams that don't win. Yep. Don't tell me you can't have enough lessons learned in wins. Championship teams always talk about we learn as much about winning as we do about losing games. Losing teams always talk about, man, this was a springboard where we want to get to. Man, we played good. We played tough against Philadelphia. We didn't get the brakes beaten off of us like the last time against the 49ers. I like where we are. If you like where you are, then you exactly like where you've been for the last 27 bleeping years. A championship-less team. When I hear foolishness like that from an owner or from Micah Parsons saying that we like where we are after losing a football game, Another reason I'm not trusting that team when it comes to winning a Super Bowl and getting out of the NFC. Freddie, I've never been a fan of moral victories. I really haven't because there are a ton of things in that football game that the Dallas Cowboys could learn from. Absolutely. I would also say when you have a fourth and seven situation with the game is on the line, nothing against Jalen Tolbert. Watched him play at SMU, was a phenomenal player. But I'm not throwing the damn football to Jalen Tolbert on fourth and seven. I'm just not. KYP, know your personnel. Mm-hmm. You have to in those moments, man, because at the end of the day, they matter the most. Right. We talk about the Dallas Cowboys. They went 12-5 and five two years ago, 12-5 and five last year, right? I'm not worried about the Dallas Cowboys in the regular season. What are you going to do when the game is on the line during the biggest moments? And we just seen it in the regular season, though. When some of the biggest moments arose in that game versus the Philadelphia Eagles, absolutely, they couldn't close it out. Yeah, you had the football at the seven yard line and end twice, and you come out there with six points. Mm-hmm. The, the Dallas Cowboys are SMEs. Please stop making excuses. That's who they are. Anytime something almost could go right, well, I like where we are. Anytime you have something like that where they didn't come through. Uh, we're going to learn a lot from losing. Anytime something happens where Dak Prescott doesn't play well, uh, we still believe in Dak Prescott. But all I hear are SMEs. They always are stop. They never stop making excuses. And as long as they continue to have that as a part of their DNA, they get what they deserve. Being a team that's good, but it's never going to be great. As far as I'm concerned right now, I got the Eagles, 49ers, Lions, and Cowboys in that order, one through four. I agree. I, I can't believe I'm saying I'm trusting a Detroit Lions team more than 
anybody else other than two teams in the but NFL. But they've showed us, though. They've showed us Absolutely. that we can trust them Absolutely. by their play on the football field. Absolutely. We know their DNA. We know what you're going to get when you play the Detroit Lions. Jared Goff is playing at an all-time high. Amon Ross St. Brown is balling out. That two-headed monster in the backfield. Mm-hmm. The, the young cat, Aiden Hutchinson, on the defensive side is playing out of his mind. Mm-hmm. And Zaloni at the linebacker position. Jerry Jacobs is intercepting footballs. We know what the mindset is of the Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. We know what we're going to get from them. Yeah. Did they get blew out by the by the Baltimore Ravens? Yeah, they did. That's but hell, a, a lot of people do. Yeah, a lot of people are going to. Yeah. <laughs> seen the Baltimore Ravens. But their, their DNA is not going to change, and we yeah. know what they're going to bring to every matchup that we watch them on Sunday, Mondays, Thursdays, whenever it is that they play. Yeah. By the way, Steve Avalos hit us on Twitter, Coleman ESPN and Age Dogs 83. He says, Maybe Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys need a taste of that blue demon. <laughs> oh. Hey, oh, Jerry. <laughs> I hope he was talking about football, but somehow I don't think he was. <laughs> Shannon Penn, our producer, what you got? I wanted to go back to something you said earlier, Freddie. I know you were talking specifically about the Cowboys, but just in general, I wanted you guys to weigh in. Freddie, you really don't like teams that, that can use losing as a, a, a something to build off of? Well, let me jump in really quick. Okay. I, I think it's the point when when they're promoting it. Thank you. Internally, exactly. keep it to yourself. I almost said a, uh, exactly. Uh, keep it to yourself. We don't yeah. even know what the hell y'all doing behind closed doors when yeah. you look. Keep it to yourself. Yeah. You don't have to tell the world, "Hey, we learned from this. We mm-hmm. feel good because of that." Keep yeah. it to yourself. Because plenty of people, I've never heard championship teams talking about we learned a lot from a loss. They always said we don't want to have to happen again. <laughs> it's not about learning from it. Is we want to make sure those don't stack up. We don't have to continue to have losses as a springboard or having us learn lessons from losses. Championship teams don't talk that way. And, and I'll be honest with you, you're supposed to be learning from everything because even when you're Amen. when you win, Amen. there are things that need to be corrected. Yeah, no doubt. And about I'll that. tell you, Keith Armstrong, mm-hmm. he always told me he's not a special team coach in Tampa. Mm-hmm. Before every accident, right. there's always a warning sign. It don't get you to it get you. That's what you say. It don't. It ain't gonna get you to it get you. <laughs> I'd love to meet Keith Armstrong someday. Just he a have, damn character. Just, just boy. sit down and just let him have a story. Buy him a beer and just let he's him. A, go. He's a great. He's a great coach, though. I don't great doubt coach. that. Yeah, great coach and even better person when it comes to motivating and making sure you're doing your job right, no matter who or where you think you are. He is Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman. Thanks for joining us as always on Freddie and Harry and ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. We'll bring back in Shannon Penn, our producer, because we're getting into the second half of the NFL season. There's certain storylines that Shannon is going to bring to the table that he can't wait to hear Messrs. Douglas and Coleman, their answers to those second half storyline questions. So Shannon Penn, the flow is yours. I'm Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. All right, yeah, so I was thinking about a couple things here, and I just wanted to get you guys to weigh in as we look ahead to the second half of the season. Freddie, I'll start with you, right? Mm-hmm. How do you, how will the Kansas City Chiefs fix themselves? I know we talked a lot about the wide receivers yeah. and, and the offense and all, but how do the Chiefs fix themselves? Or do they need fixing? Well, they need fixing, but I still have trust they can do it. I just want to know how. Seriously. Right now, that's an unanswerable question, and I never thought I would say that with a team that's Patrick Mahomes <laughs> as their quarterback. Andy Reid as their head coach, and Travis Kelsey as their tight end. They've been able to be really good conflict resolutioners. They've also been really, really good at solving those kind of problems. I just wonder if they're going to be able to do that, if they're being able to make that work in terms of trying to figure things out. Because 
I trust it. I understand it. I'm going to believe it. But this Kansas City Chiefs team this year, I don't think that's really a, a quick answer. It's not really an answerable question. Even though I look at Patrick Mahomes, I look at Andy Reid, I look at those guys together, they've been able to figure it out in the past. Shan, I'll still wonder if they're going to be able to figure that out in 2023, even though right now they still have the best record in the AFC at 7-2. and two. Well, I'm glad you, you mentioned the AFC because that takes me to the next team on this list. The mm-hmm. Miami Dolphins, right? Freddie, uh-huh. I know we, we talked about a lot about the Dolphins and losing these big games, Yeah, but, but I still have to ask, are the Miami Dolphins a real deal? I'm hoping that Amber Wilson, who does the show with Ian Fitzsimmons, Amber and Ian, after we're done here from 7, 10 p.m. Eastern time at ESPN Radio, and she is a hardcore Miami Dolphins fan. So, Amber, if you're listening, I want to apologize, but I'm not going to. They're not the real deal. I go by the three games where they had a chance to step up and be counted. They had a chance to step up and do their thing, and they were not able to do that. So, as much as I love their offense, and I love Mike McDaniel as a head coach, and I love the two are talking about Loa, but to me, the Miami Dolphins, they are not the real deal. Ooh, I would say also right now they're not the real deal because they can't beat the upper echelon teams or teams that we think have an opportunity to compete in the playoffs. When you start, it, when you start to show that on a consistent basis, and you're going to have an opportunity if you're the Miami Dolphins, then we can mm-hmm. start to talk in that light Absolutely. and that magnitude for this organization and this football team. Until then, nope, they're not the real deal, and I'm not talking about Holyfield. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Harry, how will the San Francisco 49ers handle adversity? I know they're coming off a bye week, lost three in a row. Just looking at looking ahead to second-half storylines, how do you think they'll handle adversity? I honestly think they're going to be okay. Right, This is a team the last few years, during this first eight- to nine-game span, they've had splashes like this. Now, it might not have been three in a row, but they've had some terrible losses over the last few years just like this. I think the bye week, being able to have that at the perfect time for their team, and you always look at teams and when their bye weeks are, I don't think it could have came at a better time for San Francisco to get back to the basics, get back to the, mm-hmm. you know, the the nitty-gritty and what you do well and you know, figure out some of the things that you have done wrong. And even the coaching staff, being able to self-scout and figure out what can you do better yeah. to put guys in better situations moving forward as well. Being able to get some players back from injury, that's mm. going to help out as well. So I honestly feel like the San Francisco 49ers coming out of this bye week, they're okay. going to be okay. Usually in a situation like this, you would say the adversity involves their quarterback when it comes to Purdy, Brock Purdy. And he had to deal with adversity, self-inflicted at times, not self-inflicted at other times in their last three losses. But to me, the adverse thing about the 49ers right now, the defense getting pushed around. They're usually the pushing around types. They don't get pushed back. And I thought against the Browns, against the Vikings, and for damn sure against the Bengals, they got pushed around as a defense. I didn't think I would see that this year. You can make plays on them, but they got pushed around. I want to see how the 49ers handle that. That's more than a Brock Purdy offensive thing or getting guys back thing. That's a mindset thing because they're based on being brutal being cruel and being efficient and that backfired against them in their last three losses all right freddie how will the detroit lions handle being the hunted instead of the hunter they're going to be fine I, you look at miami that hunter got captured by the game one two three times when they had to step up and play big boy football and losing to buffalo and then he lost to the Philadelphia Eagles, and then the Kansas City Chiefs. They always made it a comeback, but they still were getting pushed around. And Tyreek Hill was not able to get loose. The cheetah was caged up by all three of those teams. With Detroit, the way they play, 
travels. And they've gotten used to being the hunted right now. They enjoy that. They didn't run away from it. They openly talked about it. Yeah, we're ready. We're going to challenge. We're going to be there. You're going to be talking about us not just winning the NFC North. And look at here they are. They believe if they play Philly or San Francisco or Dallas that they're going to win those games. They're not going to be like the Dolphins. I don't believe that hunter is going to get captured by the game like we saw from Miami. Yeah, like you mentioned, Freddie, the brand of football that they play on a consistent basis travels when it comes to playoff football. When you look at the Philadelphia Eagles and what they're able to do, their physicality, being able to win in the trenches, you look at the San Francisco 49ers, for the most part over the last few years, being able to win in the trenches, that's something that shows up with the Detroit Lions, right? Offensive line, defensive line, being able to win in the trenches on top of having excellent quarterback play. That's very valuable when it comes to playoff football and also when you're trying to contend – for a number one seed. I think they have a perfect opportunity to get it. They have two games on their schedule I can look at right now. I would say at Dallas and at the Chargers where, you know, it's a toss-up. But I think at the end of the day, they might have the best record in the NFC because they play a brand of football that travels in the regular season but also travels in the postseason. All right, Harry, will the New York Jets stick with Zach Wilson as their star quarterback for the remainder of the regular season? Oh, Lord. (laughs) I'm going to go with no. I don't know when the change is going to be made. Mm -hmm. But at some point, Robert Sala, Mm -hmm. GM, owner, they're going to make that decision. Okay. I mean, I don't know what's left to see from Zach Wilson. Hell, we we see he can't play. It's time to move on. (laughs) So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go yeah. with. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna go with no. Okay. If Robert Sala, the Jets head coach, had his way, he would. But based on yesterday's answer on the Michael K show, you've got Trevor Simeon in your building. Why not give him a try? Fair question. You know, it's uh, like I said. He, he. I don't know. You got me. I'm, I'm going to plead the fifth on all this one in terms of just. I kind of explained it, you know, yeah. respectfully, obviously. But mm-hmm. but it's a va- they're valid questions. But and I know and I know from a passionate fan, from wow. fans who are passionate, all having the same questions, I respect it greatly, you know. But it's I've got to look at it from a global standpoint and just see where we are and and look at the all twenty two the best I can and and make the decisions best as possible. So he literally, yeah, he literally went. I'm Robert Sala, like Stephen Hawking. <laughs> I want to make this decision, but I really can't because it's over my head in terms of Joe Douglas and the owner. I want to have been Zach Wilson, but I really can't. That's basically what he did. He told everybody who was somebody, if I had my way, he would be on the bench. No, he can't do it. Joe Douglas said no. Exactly. He pulled the Stephen Hawking on us. I want to bench Zach Wilson, but I really can't. If he had his way, they're not going to do it. Because that mistake is still in the building. It has nothing to do with Aaron Rodgers. It has everything to do with this Jets organization was sold. Well, they not sold. They told everybody the bill of goods, meaning Joe Douglas and Robert Sala. They told Woody Johnson, this is our guy, the second pick of the draft. And I'm sure Woody Johnson said, I like Zach Wilson, but are you sure? Yes, we can turn him into a quarterback. <laughs> then they said, no, we can't. Aaron Rodgers mentor him, and you still can't turn him into a quarterback. And that's why Robert Sala had that whole, I plead the fifth on that decision. He wants to bench Zach Wilson. He just can't. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. <laughs> Coach Sala said, it wasn't me. <laughs> it shouldn't be Zach. But here we are, the Jets with Zach Wilson as their quarterback. What second-half storylines are you paying attention to the most in the National Football League? 
Could it be involving your team? What do you need to see from your team as part of that second half storyline? We want to hear from you, not just on Twitter at Coleman ESPN and at H Douglas 83, but at Triple H say ESPN 888-729-3776, part of the Dr. Pepper call-in line. What second half storylines in the NFL has gotten your attention? And it could include your team. What do you need to see from your team? We can't wait to hear what you have to say at 888-729-3776. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman. Thanks for joining us. I'm Freddie and Harry. And this is ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. The Freddie and Harry Podcast. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu. Welcome to the Wednesday Groovathon known as Freddie and Harry. You have Harry Douglas, Freddie Coleman together, presented by Progressive Insurance. Appreciate you joining us on the ESPN app. Suits XM Channel 80 and also that smart speaker yours to play ESPN radio. Or oh, we're going to get to your calls in terms of what second half storyline are you paying attention to the most in the NFL? We can't wait to hear what you have to say at 888 ESPN 888-729-3776. But the story in the football glory is the Michigan sign-stealing scandal and how that could affect the college football playoff rankings. Although Boo Corrigan, who is the selection committee chair for the college football playoff, he says, yeah, we're not about that. We're not a governing body. We're a selection committee. So our job at the end of the day is to rank the teams that are eligible. If something like that were to come in, sure. But that doesn't, that's not decided by the selection committee. Our job is to look at the teams that are eligible and make sure that we get them in the right order. We're going to talk about that and much, much more with our man Matt Sims. does a great job not only as an ESPN college football analyst, but catch him each and every Saturday on College Game Day on ESPN Radio. Hit him on Twitter at MattSims1. He joins us here on Freddie and Harry. And, Matt, if I ask the question, what do you make of this whole Michigan sign-stealing scandal, what is your answer? They're cheaters! They're cheaters. Get rid of them. They're terrible. No, I don't. You know what? Dude, the story just gets crazier and crazier like every day. And it's so, you know, I feel like it's like the presidential campaign. You know, I don't even know what to believe anymore. I don't know what's real news or fake news. Like, it's all just, just, you know, it's just trash now. So, uh, honestly, I don't even care. Uh, I just want to see good football. And I'll let. Uh, everyone in the Big Ten and the playoff committee figure it out, and I'm just going to be a good spectator and enjoy football for whatever else that shows up there on the weekend. That's definitely another <laughs> way to look Amen. at it. I'd say Amen. that. Like but that. when you look at the rankings, right, they came out last night, Ohio State 1, Georgia 2, Michigan 3, Florida State 4, the two outside looking in, Washington at 5, Oregon at 6. Do you think the, the rankings are right in your, in your opinion? <sighs> Are they right? 
you know, I feel like the second week they kind of just like, well, we set it here. You know, this is the precedent we set. So let's just kind of like stick with what we got for right now. And, and I feel like that was the easy thing to do. And they know that just as the season progresses, you know, with some of these games still yet to be played, that that'll make their decision process a, a little bit easier. But I, I don't know, man. I, to me, I think Georgia and Michigan are, are one, one, and, one A and one B right now. Okay. I like Ohio State and what they do defensively, but – you know, I don't know, man. Rutgers was kind of pushing them around, too, at the same time the other day. And I know right. Rutgers is, is a better team, an improved football team, but they were winning at the line of scrimmage in a lot of those plays, and they were one-dimensional, and they were still getting it done. So I have some concerns of how we value Ohio State's resume mm-hmm. when, to me, the resume of winning against the Penn State team that I don't even think is, is really that special or that great as far as a team goes. I know they got dudes on that team. But I, I just don't know if I value the resume the same way that the playoff committee does right at the moment. I think that Ohio State, you know, has some flaws. I don't think they're as talented as they've been in the past, uh, especially in the offensive line and, and the skill group. We know how great Marvin Harrison is. Kyle McCord is getting better. But the team as a whole, I feel like I feel like Alabama's a better football team than they are. I feel like Oregon's a better football team than they are. Um, you know, I, I think that Texas would match up well against Ohio State. So it's hard for me to say that Ohio State is, uh, you know, undeniably the best team in the country, uh, despite what the playoff committee views as their their resume goes. Great stuff by Matt Sims, ESPN College Football Analyst, also from College Game Day and ESPN Radio, and Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. So what would you use as your criteria to decide who are the best teams according to playoff rankings in college football, Matt? You know, of course, we have to consider resume, but, you know, the resume thing would only go so far for me. I would really stick to kind of just like what I see on a week-to-week basis, the eye test, you know, and how I value the coaching staff and the players themselves, you know. And I think that's why I put so much attention on a team like Alabama, too. I know that they lost to Texas earlier in the year. But, I mean, come on, man. Let's face it. If they played again right now, and I know all the Texas fan base is going to go crazy on me, you really think Texas is going to beat Alabama? You know, you really think they're going to go out there and beat Alabama? I don't think so. I think Alabama is one of the most improved teams in the country. You know, so that's where I feel like I would be more so as right now where we're at. Ohio State, their struggles versus Rutgers. There's no way I would have kept them at one after last week. Um, you know, even Oregon. I think Oregon's one of the better one-loss teams in the country, too. So it's just, you know, here I am talking in circles, right? You know what? There is no clear answer. You know what the answer is? <laughs> Expand the playoffs. And you know what? It's a year too late, you know? And I'm always complaining to everybody, too. You know, make it like the NFL, you know? Let's have more teams in there. Why not? You know, I want to see more games played to figure out who the best team in the country is and that'll take all that debate and all this BS that we do to get paid for out of the picture and just let the teams figure it out themselves. Yeah, I do agree. I think Alabama has vastly improved since losing to Texas. Now, if the two teams were to play right now, I do believe Alabama would win. Number one, Quint Ewers is not even out there. Malik Murphy, the way he looks at the quarterback position for Texas, I'm not sold on that, but I will say I can't ignore the head-to-head matchup. Also, when Quinn comes back, I want to know how he's going to look because it is his throwing shoulder, 
and that's not an easy injury to come back from. Also, looking at Oregon and the way Oregon looks as a one-loss team, I think Oregon can really make a lot of noise because they're banking on getting to the Pac-12 championship game and avenging their loss to Washington. When you look at Florida State, though, i got to ask you this. When you look at Florida State, do you think Florida State is saying to themselves, we need Louisville to win out so Louisville is in at least the top six or seven when we play them in the ACC championship game? If that happens, Harry, hell yeah, they do. <laughs> hell yeah, they do. Because Florida State is the exact example of what we're talking about. They really haven't played anyone uh, that's worthy of what we're discussing right now. What's really impressive about their resume? Outside you know? of LSU. Wait, but what? they play LSU week you know, one as well, too. No doubt. But see, that's the thing. That's what frustrates me. That was in September. You know, mm-hmm. the Alabama game with Texas, that was in September. You know, Alabama struggled versus South Florida like the next week, mm-hmm. you know. But since then, like, what are the impressive wins by Texas, too? Barely beating Kansas State. You know, Houston, man, they survived Houston. Good yeah. for them. Lost to Oklahoma. <laughs> you know, so that's where it's just like, I'm tired about what happened in September. I know they lost then, but, you know, I, I just can't get hung up in that too much as far as that one-off thing because look how good Oklahoma is. Oklahoma's proven that they're not like a style of a football team. They just played that great that day. Now, Florida State, you know, the eye test, both of you know, when we watch it, there's a lot of NFL dudes on that football team. Ooh, no doubt. And it's hard to deny that. No doubt. But they are not by any means like the cleanest team that we've seen because they just – don't play consistent enough for me to say that they're, like, really, really up there. They're a team that I hope is in the top four because I think they're capable of it. But it just seems like every week there seems to be some sort of wrinkle that, you know, kind of makes me think, ah, I don't know. We'll see. I hope they keep putting it together. And they're running out of opportunities. And and how they win against Miami and Florida is going to be really impressive. It's going to be really important, too, for the college football playoff committee. He always brings great stuff like this each and every week in the college game day on ESPN Radio. He is Matt Sims, ESPN College Football Analyst. Great follow on Twitter. Hit him up anytime you want to. Matt Sims one joining Freddie Coleman and Harry Douglas on Freddie and Harry. Always appreciate you, Matt. Thank you so much. We'll holler at you soon, okay? Thank you so much. And, yeah, on Twitter, Sims Complete. Check me out. All right. Go. Thank you so much. And, Harry, I love you, Harry. Harry, you too, bro. That's my college teammate right there, <laughs> man. Say, and the, Louisville, the, baby. The brotherly love continues with the Louisville <laughs> connection known as Harry Douglas and Matt Sims. We want you to connect with us at 888-729-3776. You heard what Matt Sims had to say about the whole Michigan sign-stealing scandal, punishments, everything else. What do you think the punishment for Michigan should be? Can't wait to hear you have to send a Dr. Pepper calling line. So enter the chat at 888-729-3776. Joel in New Hampshire, my friend, what do you have? Hey, so uh, first of all, love, love the show. You guys are doing a great job. Appreciate um, you. So my, my thing is all these programs are coming at Michigan with their pitchforks and they're, and they're trying to go for the throat. <laughs> and now, now it seems like Michigan's got some finger pointing going at other teams. So, the question is: Are these other teams, if they're found uh, guilty of similar crimes, are they ready to take the same punishment Michigan's going to get? Well, Joe, first, let me ask you this, Joe. Keep Joe on the line. Okay. What part of New Hampshire do you live in, Joe? 
Uh, I'm in Bow, right next to Concord, New Hampshire. Oh, I know. Okay. No, I, I lived in Portland, Maine, so Concord, New Hampshire, great place. So I go to great New Hampshire place. a lot. A lot of my buddies live in Portsmouth, but also mm-hmm. I have like three buddies that live right on Rye Beach. So Petey's, oh, man. Petey's is Petey's. my favorite yep. spot oh, to go man. to, Joel, in talking. New Hampshire. Beautiful place. Beautiful. Man, I haven't been to Petey's in so long. Man, I love Pete. That fried shrimp. Now, let's get Man. back to this. I don't know. We're on this now. <laughs> We're on Ryan Hampton Beach now. We're on that New Hampshire now. The white man in the mountains. We're on this now. The white mountains. But continue. Go ahead. Now, I, I would say this. Now, two wrongs don't make a right. And I understand that, mm-hmm. you know, Michigan is, is pointing out the other things that the other teams have done. But right. that's not it's not going to absolve you of what you have done. Absolutely. If the investigation comes out and everything that, that has been stated or mentioned right. is 100% true. Yeah. But I, I do also think that the NCAA, got, they have to look into everything. Also, mm-hmm. Tony Petiti, you have to look into everything. Yeah. Don't be because, naive. But, but at the same time, what those schools did, Ohio State, I believe it was Purdue, and I can't remember the third one. Yeah. What they did is what coaches do all the time. Absolutely. If you have a buddy that's on the coaching staff for another team, mm-hmm. he's going to call his buddy, hey, what's the be- – I used to have coaches when I was retired or when I was still playing that I knew on other teams that would text me or call me, hey, you guys just played them. Mm-hmm. What did you see, A, B, C, or D? Because yeah. the more the more stuff that you can get to help your football team, the better. So that, that happens uh, entirely a yeah. lot across every level of football. To paraphrase, to paraphrase the great line for the great movie Cool Hand Luke, what we don't have here is a failure to communicate with this Michigan football <laughs> or anybody else. Stan in Missouri, if these allegations about Michigan and sign stealing prove to be correct, what do you think the, the punishment for Michigan football should be? Well, good afternoon, gentlemen. I think the thing that they should do, suspend Harbaugh for the rest of the year. Okay. This way, it'll maybe open up the eyes of these different programs and saying, if we get caught, that's what we're going to get. And with all that being said, why can't the NCAA do like they do in the NFL and have uh, headsets from the coach to the quarterback to the defensive players, whatever? Yeah, speak that knowledge, Stan, in Missouri. That 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 is something Mm -hmm. that bothers me about the NCAA. But also, coaches are part of the main reason why that doesn't happen, because they vote against it. Why do coaches vote against it? I, I have no idea. Okay, it costs money. I have no well, idea. Well, well, all the money that they're getting from everywhere else, that money should not be an issue when it comes to putting headsets in the college football helmets. I agree. Not a, but not all programs are created equal in terms but, of how but, much money are made. But I also will say this, though. There has to be a certain time frame that that mm-hmm. radio has to be cut off in the quarterback's helmet or the defensive player's helmet so coaches aren't on the sideline saying, right. hey, go here with the football. So there is certain things you got to look into, like when it comes to that radio being in the helmet as well. Here's something you just said, the trampling of what Devin Kane just said. Coaches hate losing control. Yep. They do not want this to be a player's league when it comes to college football. Basketball programs don't worry about that. I can't tell many college basketball coaches that I've told them said, if our players are making decisions, that's what we've gone over in practice. We entrust them with a game plan that when they have to make a decision in real time, that's what they've been coached to do. That's why we have these players on these teams. Coaches do not want players to believe for one second. It's bad enough that they got NIL and the transfer portal. (laughs) Coaches do not want players going out there saying, I'm NFL ready. ready. Watch me show you how I can do that. Whether you're a quarterback, linebacker, whatever that is. There are three things they love in college football. Power. Money and control. They're not losing the money battle. They're losing sort of the power battle 
they really do not want to lose the control battle, especially when it comes to stuff like that on a football field in big-time college football. That's why some coaches don't work out in the National Football League. Absolutely. And they have to go back to the college game mm-hmm. because they can yeah. control yep. what's happening at that level. No doubt about that. If you did not get through on the phone about what the punishment for Michigan should be, if they're going to be punished, let us know on Twitter at Coleman ESPN and at HDouglas83. Got my man Harry Douglas, Freddie Coleman together. Thanks for joining us on the Wednesday Groovathon, known as Freddie and Harry. We're going to keep the lines open, 888-729-3776. We want to find out from you. What NFL second-half storyline are you paying attention to? It could involve Jim Harbaugh being in the NFL next year, but we'll save that for next year. What NFL storyline this year are you paying attention to in the second half? 888-729-3776. Your calls are next on Freddie and Harry, and this is ESPN Radio. The Freddie and Harry Podcast. It is a Freddie and Harry Wednesday Groovathon. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman. Thanks for joining us on Sirius XM Channel 80. On tune in and always tell your ESPN smart speaker to play ESPN radio. We can't wait to hear from you right now. Dr. Pepper calling the line, 888-729-3776. What should the second half storyline in the NFL that you say to yourself, I better be paying attention to that, and so should everybody else. As a matter of fact, one of those storylines we'll talk about involving the New York Jets in about 10 minutes. But Dylan in New York, thanks for hitting us up at 888-729-3776. Dylan, what's the second half storyline in the NFL that you're paying attention to? Hey, guys, big fan of the show. Second time calling in. Thank you. you. Listen to you guys every time on my drive home. You guys are great. Uh, So, like I said, from New York, the thing I'm looking at is the Giants' second half. I know our season's done with Daniel Jones out, but this offseason's going to be huge for us. What does our draft pick look like? Do we end up in an Eli Manning type situation where he does, where a quarterback like Caleb Williams doesn't want to go where the number one draft pick might be? What are we doing with Saquon? If he looks good for the rest of the year, are we re-signing him? I know our season's over, but I think there's a lot of storylines in the second half that could either make the Giants a contender in a year or two, or we go into a complete rebuild in a year or two. I think this second half is a very, very uh, crucial moment for Giants fans. I would say personally, I feel like the Giants need to draft a quarterback. I I really do. And I felt that way before Daniel Jones actually tore his ACL. But after he tore his ACL, I'm doubling down on that. And I personally feel like this football team needs to sign Saquon Barkley, I would say, to a three-year deal. Mm -hmm. Because if you're drafting a quarterback, you want a running back like Saquon Barkley to be paired up with that guy and try to take some of the pressure off of him. I would also say you can't ignore the offensive line either. That's something else that you're going to have to continuously build if Evan Neal can't play that right tackle, I mean left tackle position the way that you expect him to play at, then maybe you have to move him to guard and maybe you have to draft another uh, left tackle. Now, these are all the options that you have to look at as a GM of a football team, as an owner of a football team, as Mm -hmm. a head coach to make sure whoever you draft at that quarterback position has the proper guys around him to succeed. Also, I wouldn't mind in late rounds, this is a strong wide receiver draft too, Draft somebody that can run a route tree yeah. and has speed as well. Yeah. By the way, Dylan, well done. Great breakdown by you about the New York Giants and their second half storylines because all those things are 100%. Trevor in Iowa, what second half storyline in the NFL are you paying attention to? Oh, hey, guys. My call. Love the show. Um, question. Falcons, what are they doing? Uh, Arthur Smith has these draft picks. Drake London, Kyle Pitts. Bijan Robinson last year, and he doesn't seem to want to use any of them. What's going on in Atlanta? Yeah, Harry, what the hell's going on ah, in your Falcons? Ah, 
Oh, Trevor in Iowa at, wants to know, and so look, do I. What's going at, on with your look Falcons? At, look at Devin the excited. You dirty bird. <laughs> broke down ass Giants and Devin excited. Yeah, your Falcons right. not that far behind out of the well, junkyard. Well, well, hold on now. We still contending for the division. Hey, now, are, let me say this. Are you really? Let, yes, we are. <laughs> no, We're one really. game behind. One game behind. That so, let me say this. Contending. When it, like, you know how we talk about the quarterback position on just about every team, and, and that's a big part of being able to have success. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things, right? Mm-hmm. Also, keep going. offensively, when you look at this offensive line, yep. this offensive line, they aren't playing the way they played a, a season ago because the Atlanta Falcons was a top-five rushing team in the league. Right now, they seem not to be able to pass or run the football. I think their defense has been able to get stops for the most part this season, yeah. but the offense hasn't complemented the defense and what they've been able to do. That's been a, that's been hurting this football team continuously. A lot of people, you know, talk to me about play calling, right? And, and John New Smith getting a speed sweep and Bijan not being in the game. Well, how about John New stay his ass outside on the speed sweep and walk in the end zone? See that those are parts of the game that people don't really understand. Right, I get it, but they still need a quarterback. That, that, right now, I don't that, think you have one. That, and I love Desmond Ritter. Right now, you don't have one. That's my biggest argument. Yeah, exactly. I, I want Desmond Ritter to succeed, but right now, just like my Jets. Your team does not have a quarterback. Speaking of the New York Jets, Rob Lassau, Jets head coach, said not too long ago. Can you turn on the tape and are there things that Zach needed to do better yesterday? 100%. Okay, well, how do you get to that 100%? We'll try to answer that next on Freddie and Harry. Thanks for listening to the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. You can also listen to Freddie and Harry live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch and listen on the ESPN app, the Freddie and Harry podcast.